Proverbs 12. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. A good man obtains favour from the Lord. The Lord condemns a crafty man. A man cannot be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. A a wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. The words of the wicked, wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Wicked men are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. A man is praised according to his wisdom, but men with warped minds are are despised. Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. A righteous man cares for the needs of his animal, but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. The wicked desire the plunder of evil men, but the root of the righteous flourishes. An evil man is trapped by his sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. From the fruit of his lips a man is filled with good things, as surely as the work of his hands rewards him. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. A truthful witness gives an honest te- gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lies. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. There is deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the hearts of fools blurts out folly. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labour. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The lazy man does not roast his gain, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. In the way of righteousness, there is life. Along that path is immortality. Brilliant. Thanks, Kate. Um, so before we go to Rui, let's just um, pray. Father, we just thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the, the wisdom and the guidance that it gives us. Lord, and um, as uh, as Rui comes and uh, opens up this uh, this passage to us, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would just anoint his lips, Lord, and uh, and that we would hear your words coming out of his mouth, Lord. Lord, that um, the the talk he gives today, Lord, would just change us, Lord, change our hearts, make us love you more, Lord, make us understand you more, Lord, and, and just help us uh, lead a, a better life for you, Lord. We just thank you for Rui now, Lord. Thank you for all the prep he's done, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Graham. Uh, thanks, Kate, for, for reading that as well, uh, that Proverbs 12 for us. When I looked at the preaching schedule a, a few months ago, I saw that I was down to preach how to deal with criticism on Valentine's Day. I, initially, I thought it might be a mistake, or at least I hoped it was a mistake. 
Uh, can you imagine if I turned to Becky to talk about criticism? I turned to her and said, hey, darling, you know, I'm never wrong. Well, if by any chance on that one occasion when I might possibly be closer to being wrong, here's how you should tell me. I'm not sure that's quite the loving message to give on Valentine's Day. In fact, it might be quite a good way to start off some arguments. But that's just it, isn't it? Us, us humans, we don't like being told that we're wrong. I think Graham said earlier, it's especially us blokes, we don't like that. But I think that's just general for all of humanity. We don't like being told we're wrong. We don't like anybody to help us with directions if we might not be entirely certain where we are. Who needs to read those IKEA instructions? It can't be that hard. We don't like being corrected. We don't like it being pointed out that we don't have all the knowledge we need. But instead, we should probably be a bit more like Albert Einstein, the famous scientist who once said, the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. We should be able to take correction and advice and increase our knowledge of God and his world and his word and not be so worried about how others will perceive us. And this is a challenge for me today, as it might be for anyone else. If you spoke to any of my family, they would probably tell you that this is one of my main faults, that I'm not as ready to take criticism as I should be. I, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's a hangover from how I was brought up, or maybe it's just stubbornness or pride, or maybe it's being a father or a husband. I might always want to be right. We won't get into the psychotherapy of what's going on inside my head tonight. But whatever the reason, I need to hear these words as much as anyone, if not more than anyone else tonight. And our passage tonight, we're going to be continuing our series in Proverbs. And our passage will help us to look at how someone following Jesus will love to be corrected and will love receiving advice. We'll see that the safer and the better way to live life is to be open to the correction that comes from wisdom. The wise way of life loves creation. I'm going to say that again. The wise way of life loves correction. We'll see that truthful words spoken in love bring healing and bring peace, especially when they come from someone who is following this path of wisdom. If you're joining us partway through this series, then I'd, I'd really encourage you to, to go back to the start. Dan gave us a great overview of, of what Proverbs is about and how we should read Proverbs. Have a look back at that, that, that talk that he did. Um, and so far, we've had chapters one to nine. We've taken bits from it. And in those chapters, you can see 10 speeches from a father to a son as he's training his son to be a king in the future. As well in those chapters, there are four poems that say to us that we live in a moral universe, that one is made by God. This universe is his creation. And tonight in, in chapter 12, this is the main section of Proverbs running from chapters 10 through to 29. 
And it's packed full of hundreds of proverbs, most written by King Solomon. And they are a reference work of wisdom for a son to look back on and to apply the knowledge that's been acquired by his father into his circumstances. And it's important to remember that the Hebrew word for wisdom is more than just head knowledge. It's more than knowing lots of facts and information. The Hebrew word for wisdom means applied knowledge. This isn't information that's meant to gather dust on some shelf in some library or get stored away on some server in Silicon Valley forever and ever. This wisdom is the accumulated insights from God's people on how to live in a way that honours God. It is meant to be lived out. But also it's important to remember that, that Proverbs, this wisdom is not law. It is not prophecy. Proverbs are not promises that come true. They're not some kind of magic formula that if you follow, you will have success. It's not some sort of chemical experience where if you add solid B to solution A, you'll get explosion C. Proverbs show a probability that things will happen in a certain way. Fear the Lord and follow his wisdom, and it is really likely that it will go well for you. Don't fear him and be foolish, and it's likely that it will go badly. From our own lives, we know that this is true. We know that even when we follow God's way, it doesn't always go well for us. It's not a magic formula. The probability is that it will go well for us, but it's not certain. And we need to read the rest of God's word. We need to read other wisdom literature, other parts of the Bible, Ecclesiastes and Job, for example, to help us see how the exceptions from the wise way of living still help us to understand who God is and his character and how we are to live lives that please him. So looking at our passage for tonight, chapter 12 opens with our theme. We see that part of God's wisdom that will help us to live lives that bring him honour straight away in verse one. Verse one says, whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. This verse will set out the scene for the rest of the chapter. And it says that if you love knowledge, if you love wisdom, if you want to follow the way of the wise, then you will also love being disciplined. And now, OK, for a lot of us, the idea of being disciplined always sounds harsh. It brings back memories maybe of, of school times when being disciplined was perhaps unpleasant or perhaps it brings back memories of, of being told off in an unkind way by a family member. That's what being disciplined sometimes conjures up in our minds. But we're to remember that these proverbs are poetry. You can't just read one half of a verse without reading the other half of that verse. You get so much more richness and understanding from reading the complete pairs together. And so the second part of verse one shows us more of what this sort of discipline is. What we have here is correction. And hating being corrected is stupid. If you look on to verse 15, that helps us to understand this discipline a bit better too, helps us to get a better handle on what we're looking at here. 
And it says there, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. In this chapter, in Proverbs 12, the discipline we're talking about is being open to listening to wise advice. To not be so arrogant as to think that we know everything. To be open to being corrected. And it's this kind of attitude that the writer of Proverbs is here hoping that his son will follow. One where he listens to the advice gained from wisdom and therefore isn't stupid or foolish. Can you imagine if I were to get into my car right now, obviously only for an essential journey, if I were to head off and drive on the wrong side of the road? It'll be quite dangerous for me and for any others on the road. If someone else on the road came along and started to correct me and me hating to be corrected, I ignored them. That would be seriously dangerous for me and anyone else on the roads or pavement. I would be being stupid. But if I listened to them, then I would be showing that I love being disciplined, that I love being corrected. Because I want this helpful knowledge, this knowledge that keeps me and others safe. I listen to the advice given and my way becomes the way of the wise, the safer and better way for my life. And verses 1 and 15 set this out for us in this proverb. The safer and better way to live life is to be open to the correction that comes from wisdom. The inability to admit error and confess mistakes means we hate knowledge because we won't accept that discipline or correction. If we love discipline, we love knowledge, but if we hate it, well, essentially we hate wisdom. But correction still sounds painful. It does mean admitting you're wrong. It means losing face, feeling that people will think less of you. So why should we bother allowing ourselves to be corrected. Why does correction matter? Well, correction matters because it is permanent. If you look at verses 2 to 12, they show us why listening to correction, being open to this discipline matters. The stupid way of living is temporary. The wise way of life, well, that's permanent. And this is a constant theme through Proverbs. So we're not going to spend an, an enormous amount of time on this point, but it's important to briefly remind ourselves that the righteous, the wise way of living is firmly rooted. It is unshakable. It is permanent. Whereas the, the foolish, wicked, stupid way of living might seem worthwhile, but it will pass away. This section, verses 12 to uh, 2 to 12 are, are bookended by things where we, we hear that the righteous are rooted. They cannot be moved. They are permanently fixed. They are safer than anyone can imagine because they are following the way of the wise. But the wicked will not be established. Their strongholds will not last. And these verses rise to a center point in verse 7 where it says, The wicked are overthrown and are no more. But the house of the righteous stands firm. The way of the wicked, the way of the stupid will not last. Don't be fooled into thinking it is permanent. It will be no more. 
but the righteous, their houses are built on firm foundations. They will stand firm. Doesn't that just sound like Jesus's words that are recorded for us in the gospel? After Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, that speech that has probably changed more lives in, than any other speech in the whole of human history, right at the end of that, he ends by saying that whoever builds their lives on his words will be like a wise man, building on something permanent and solid, a firm foundation. But not listening to him would be building on sandy soil. That would mean that everything would collapse. These proverbs show us that the wise way of living is firmly rooted, is built on solid ground, it, but the foolish, stupid way of living will not last. The wise way of life is permanent. Do not be deceived into thinking anything different. So if being open to being disciplined and corrected is the wise way to live, the one that leads to security and safety, well, shouldn't we live that way? Well, the wise way of living, the wise way of life is also about speaking truth that heals. In verses 13 to 27, we have a few themes that come out there, but some of the key ones are that our words can be true or can be lies. Another theme is that words can heal our hearts or can pierce them. And another theme in there is that we should choose carefully who we listen to. So let's look at these, these three, three different themes. Our words can be true can be lies. Throughout these verses there are positive words used like truth, like trustworthy and honest and they're contrasted with negative words like deceit or lying lips or false witness. And throughout these verses, if you get to read them afterwards, throughout these verses the positive words are seen to be permanent, to be delightful to the Lord, to build something that endures forever. Look at verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but the lying tongue lasts only a moment. Or verse 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Our words are meant to be truthful, not lies, not deceitful, not wrong. We are called to speak honestly, saying things that are only correct, not to gossip about people. The Lord finds pleasure when we speak words that are true. We say things that make our God smile and delight in us. When we are truthful with the things that we say, can you just imagine that by just saying things that are true? We bring the creator of the universe, the one who oversees everything. We please him. But even truthful words can do one of two things. They can either build people up or crush them. If we have a look at verse uh, 18 from this chapter, it says, 
The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. If we even say truthful things in a way that is reckless, it will pierce the hearts of the person listening. It will cause damage and pain when it is done in an evil way. But doing it wisely, well, instead that heals. Our tongues can bring peace and joy. Our words can make someone feel well instead of causing damage. Our truthful words can heal someone instead of inflicting pain. But whose words should we be listening to? Verses 24 to 27 remind us that we should be listening to those who are diligent. But diligent in what? Well, this whole passage has been about following wisdom. The whole of Proverbs is about following this wise way of life. In following the wise words that we find here in Proverbs and in the rest of God's word, the Bible, those are the people we should be listening to. And I remember that after one of the first few times I, I'd led an evening service um, in person at Tokal, I don't know if you remember those times when we could meet around the table and, and steal the, the biscuits, crisps, maybe even the fruit from one of the other tables if nobody was sitting there. Well, after this evening's service, Dave Hughes came up to me at the end of the service and full of grace, he corrected me. He mentioned that he noticed that as I went to pray, I said, let's just pray. And he pointed out that we weren't just praying, but we were able to come before our God, our heavenly father, with our concerns, our desires, our worries, our joys. And I listened to Dave's correction because I knew he was a man who diligently was seeking to live his life in the light of God's revealed wisdom to us. Now, Dave wouldn't want us to focus on him. He would also want to point us to Jesus. And Jesus's words were always truthful. He never lied. And Jesus's words brought healing to people as well. More than anyone else's words, we should be hanging on Jesus's every word, hearing what he has to say to us, praying for God's spirit to be moving in us so that we can understand what he is saying to us, how he is trying to correct us, to show us where we need to live our lives more in line with his wisdom. The last verse of our chapter, verse 28, says that following the path of righteousness is the way to have a good life now and forever. And in Psalm 23, we see Jesus as the good shepherd. We see him as the one who leads in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us to eternal life. In that path, there is no death, no eternal death. Or in 
John's gospel in chapter 14, verse 6, we see that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Not a way or a truth or a life, but the way, the truth and the life. Jesus Christ is exclusively the path of righteousness. And if you learn nothing else from Proverbs 12 tonight, learn that. There's so much in this passage about how to take and give criticism, how to accept and deliver correction. But a lot of what we've heard could be just good moral teaching, words that could be followed by anyone of any religion in the world, and even those who follow no religion. But Jesus is the bit that is different. Jesus is the wisdom of God. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, right in the middle of a section in chapter one that declares that the wisdom of this world is foolish and that what looks like foolishness from a worldly sense that those things like Jesus's death, his criminal's death or his resurrection from the dead, right in this section, it states that Jesus is the wisdom of God. If we are seeking to follow wisdom, like Proverbs is encouraging us to do, well, that means we should be seeking to follow Jesus. And if you didn't hear it this morning, then please do listen back to Phil's talk on Romans 10, where we have this really simple verse that sums up what it means to become a follower of Jesus, where it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is that simple to become a follower of Christ. And once you do start to follow him, then hang on his words. Hang on the words that you find in the Bible. So that when you are corrected and advised by him, you will feel the healing that flows from his tongue. Listen to the words of wisdom that flow from his loving lips. You'll feel the warmth that springs from following his path, his truth, his life. And then as we seek to be his people, living lives that will bring him honour, let's remember to follow his example, to, to follow the example laid out for us in this chapter in Proverbs. That's the way to love being corrected, to love God's word to us. And then let our words be full of truth and may our lips and tongues bring healing and peace to those we speak to. That's not a bad message for Valentine's Day. But it's also the way we can live God honouring lives, lives each and every day of our lives. Proverbs 12 tells us that the safer and the better way to live life is to be open to the correction that comes from God's wisdom. That is the only thing that is permanent. That is the only thing that is truthful. So let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this time that we can, we've spent this e evening gathered round your words. Father, I want to pray for any of us that if we have hearts that are not open to being corrected, that you would soften them, that you would get them ready to hear those words of truth that might come from brothers and sisters, those words of truth that come from you. Make our hearts ready to accept them, Lord. And Lord, may we know that when we hear those words of truth, that actually they will bring healing to our lives. They will bring peace to our lives. And so, Father, we thank you that as we seek to, to follow your way of life, as we seek to follow your words of wisdom, help us to know, to know deep in our hearts and to know deep in our minds, to know in our lives day by day that the safer and the better way to live life is to be open to your correction, to be open to the correction that comes from your wisdom, to be open to the correction that comes from your son, who is the embodiment of that wisdom. Help us to be open to what Jesus is saying to us through your spirit so that we can become more and more um, the righteous people that you want us to become. Father, help us to know that this is the permanent and eternal way to live life. This is the thing that stands when all else fails and falls, when all else promises so much, but in the end will deliver so little. Father, help us to follow your wisdom as we seek to live for you and honour you in our lives and through our lives each and every day. We pray this through your son's blessed name. Amen.